Happy Friday. I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important Not Important, science for people who give a shit. The newsletter features the most important science news of the week, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now to get this newsletter every Friday, plus my conversations with the world's smartest people on Mondays. You can find the email version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. The link is also right in your show notes. You can also support our work and get further ahead by becoming a member. Members get exclusive essays, monthly live AMAs with special guests, and access to our community. And it's all more affordable than ever. Visit newsletter.importantnotimportant.com to become a member today. It's July 22nd, 2022. Here's the week summarized. How to beat the heat in your city. COVID quackery. Introducing explainers. A blockbuster depression study. A new federal privacy bill is coming. In climate change news. Is it hot enough for you? But look, it's not just you. It's hot as fuck everywhere. More than 100 million people in the U.S. face excessive heat conditions, more or less, as you're listening to this. And 60 million of those will melt through triple digits this weekend. In Europe, weather forecasts once projected for 2050 came to life in the U.K. this week as temperatures topped 104 degrees in London and over 100 throughout the island, breaking records by almost 3 degrees Fahrenheit. Google's UK data centers are melting. More than 2,000 people in Spain and Portugal died from heat-related causes this week as massive wildfires burned through those countries, parts of France, and London. And in Asia, the monsoon has finally arrived on the subcontinent and is providing marginal relief, but Central Asia is still cooking. So, US President Joe Biden had a press conference where he called the state of the climate an emergency, but didn't actually declare an emergency, which is a thing. Because while that's necessary at this point, unlocking a host of potential tools that Congress simply won't provide, it's also a complicated maneuver. And here's why. First, by nature, it will mostly involve executive powers and actions that the next president can cancel with the stroke of a pen, as has happened pretty much every administration successively. And it probably invites even more bullshit from the Supreme Court, who, you may have heard, is excited to strike down anything resembling progress. Second, and this is where it's complicated, I know, there's a relatively important federal election in a couple months, and that only party that mostly wants to do anything about climate change is already at risk of getting blown out of the rising water with democracy right behind it. So, on the one hand, fuck it then. Do it anyway? I have no idea. On the other, I do know that the new federal tailpipe standards, finally in action, would accelerate the EV curve even more, and to do it while gas is still expensive, and that the Defense Production Act, used so successfully recently, and other procurement dollars, when applied to shovel-ready climate tech like those EVs and clean power generation, those things can go a long way, even if it means moving some agency money around to do so. And finally, I know that using the Stafford Act to make sure FEMA doesn't just rebuild things that will inevitably be broken in a hurricane exactly the way they were before, like, say, petrochemical plants in Houston, rebuilding those better can help communities, and again, I'm searching for the right words here, uh, build back better. While it seems like the emergency declaration is still probably coming, 
you're inevitably going to be frustrated no matter what happens, because it simply won't be enough on the global scale right away, and you probably won't feel the difference. Where you will feel the most progress through actions and results is on the state and city level. So right now, your city can plant tree cover in low-income and read redline city blocks, procure and build batteries to back up your state and local grid during heat waves and storms, install cool roofs and roadways to lower daytime and nighttime temperatures, enable educators to bring climate art into the classroom, streamline local solar permitting with Solar App Plus, offer rebates for home smart panels so the electrified home and the grid it attaches to is handled intelligently at peak times. You can commit to and market the hell out of community solar options. You can transition your local school district to electric school buses. You can ban gas hookups in new buildings and subsidize or rebate induction stoves and heat pumps for current ones. And finally, you can show up at public utility commission meetings to gently insist on electrified power. So here's what we can do. All of that above, but also check out Rewiring America's excellent guides to electrifying your community. In COVID news, your vaccine equity update, just 19.3% of people in low-income countries have received at least one dose, and 33.2% of people worldwide, that's a third still, have received zero doses. So here's the deal. Quackery comes on a spectrum in a huge variety of forms and manifestations, like, for example, candidates for Senate in Pennsylvania. Quackery is inevitable, and it is as old as time. And yet, in a world changing quickly and with fewer trusted sources and poor and often misinformed messaging from the remaining sources, people are flailing. And when people don't know where to turn, they will turn anywhere that may be able to help them. For example, we haven't really figured out, number one, what long COVID is, or two, why it happens to some people, much less three, how to treat it. So patients are increasingly traveling to receive treatments that have no proven benefit, like hydroxy and blood washing. It goes deeper than that, though. By some estimates, we were short 200,000 nurses pre-COVID. McKinsey, for what it's worth, projects that we may be closer to 450,000 nurses short in just a couple years. So what are the stakes from that? Well, all of this heat we just talked about is filling up hospitals. We've fallen way behind on other global vaccinations, and it seems as if endemic COVID might actually mean a baseline 300 or so deaths a day or 100,000-ish new deaths a year. That's the math. And depending on how the virus evolves, many more infected. So yes, that is many, many less than previous waves, thanks to the shots and infections and the immunity from those. And over the years, new subvariants and non-existing mitigation will probably be, mean more acquired immunity. The point is, we have to design approaches that honestly measure the externalities we're exposed to. We don't just need technology to answer that call. We need people. So, for example, we don't just need a million new EV charging stations to reduce transportation emissions. We need a half a million new nurses to reduce excess deaths and suffering from air pollution. We don't just need heat pumps. We need to train tens of thousands of people to build them and install them. We don't just need ironclad abortion rights and value-based care. We need medical professionals who will listen to women LGBTQ plus people and people of color. 
We don't just need EVs. We need funding and people to build more public transportation. We don't just need gun laws and metal detectors and clear backpacks. We don't just need an alternative to opioids. We don't just need a smaller and less racist and less punitive prison system. We need an actual social safety net for people to work within it and an overhauled mental health support system. We don't just need biodegradable plant-based coatings for fresh fruits and vegetables. We need to grow crops that make you healthy, that are affordable and good for the soil, and a legion of new young farmers to grow them, and workplace protections so they don't die on the job. We don't just need millions of 3D printed houses. We need people to do that, to build them, and to maintain them. We don't just need those new COVID boosters, but trusted nurses and informed community health workers to administer them, who can answer questions about your weird period after you got your shot, about monkeypox symptoms, tests, and vaccines. People who can explain that as far as we can tell, Paxlovid doesn't really do anything unless you're high risk, and who, on the other hand, can educate the immunocompromised on Evusheld, the bulk of which is basically just sitting on the shelf. Yes, all of this will cost money that Congress refuses to provide. But again, when you measure the costs of inaction, of our externalities, of everything we've exposed ourselves to, inaction dwarfs everything else. All of this, as always to say, it doesn't have to be this way. Other countries aren't anywhere near perfect, but they aren't this way. We have remained so steadfastly dedicated to exceptionalism by way of liberty that collectively we're basically 70th in the world in everything that matters. These results are the sum of the choices we've made, and I want to be crystal clear here. We can make different ones. We can do so much better, and it's going to require all of us, but especially those of us who've never been in positions of leadership before or never been allowed to, and it starts close to home. Here's what we can do. Support incredible, young, progressive state and local candidates or become one yourself with Run for Something. In food and water news, just two days after Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Paul filed suit against 20 companies who allegedly contaminated, well, everything with forever chemicals known as PFAS, I am excited to introduce the first in our new series of Explainers. These are one-page resources to get you up to speed on some of the more nuanced topics frequently discussed here and on the pod. So the first is a briefing on PFAS, those pesky chemicals included in everything from your drinking water to flame retardant to laundry detergent and frying pans, most of which degrade never. Explainers are the brainchild of my incredible new colleague, Willow Beck. If you have ideas for more, just send us an email and let us know. And of course, members can DM Willow with questions and ideas directly in our community. In health and bio news, a massive new umbrella review of 17 existing meta-studies of depression's relationship with serotonin has come to the conclusion that, quote, after a vast amount of research conducted over several decades, there is no convincing evidence that depression is caused by serotonin abnormalities particularly by lower levels or reduced activity of serotonin. Wow. Here's some background from New Scientist if you've never tangled with depression. The serotonin hypothesis, which dates from the 1960s, says that a chemical imbalance in the brain, including low levels of serotonin, also known as 5-hydroxytryptamine, or 5-HT, leads to depression. 
We now think various biological, psychological, and environmental factors play a role, but the most popular antidepressants, known as selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, increase the availability of serotonin in the brain. So, seeing how many billions of dollars of SSRIs have been sold over the decades, never fully knowing what SSRIs actually do, however much they've helped millions of folks feel better, there's going to be much consternation over this result. Further, a new scientist, Johan Lundberg at the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, said a limitation of the analysis is that it didn't distinguish between people who had ongoing depression and those who have had episodes of depression, whose state at the time they were assessed could affect the functioning of their serotonin systems. And yet, in the conversation, the study's authors write, there is no other accepted pharmacological mechanism for how antidepressants might affect depression. If antidepressants exert their effects as placebos or by numbing emotions, then it is not clear that they do more good than harm. No one should change anything about their medication until discussing these results in their medical history with a doctor, right? SSRIs have helped a lot of people. But science, as we know, doesn't go in a straight line. Shit is complicated. Almost a hundred years after we just started cranking out penicillin, after it changed the face of World War II, antibiotics have saved a bajillion lives and reduced the suffering of many more. But also stuffing our cows full of them has also meant an increasing antimicrobial resistance because bacteria are one, way older, and two, way smarter than we are. So, look, I don't believe this is anywhere near the end for SSRIs, but evaluating where we are today is a requisite step in the rebuild the mental health support system revolution. So from better understanding environmental triggers to researching psychedelics and more, this is part of the puzzle. Here's what we can do. If you or someone you love needs help, dial the new 988 number to check out the new mental health hotline. In computer news, look, I've spent months harping about a U.S. federal privacy law, tracking U.K. developments, and making sense of the new U.S. state-level laws, including California's, which has teeth, it's quite strong, and is carved into stone like all of California's other ballot initiatives. Simultaneously, FCC this week is finally putting mobile companies' feet to the fire over location data privacy. Here's the good news. There's a new federal bill coming down the pipe. It really marks huge progress. It requires companies to actually suss out whether and how much their algorithms are racist or sexist or discriminatory in some combination of six other ways, and then fix them. Bad news. It, by design, supersedes almost all of those existing state laws, including California's, which is way stronger, actually has an agency attached to it, and the new federal one basically has no funding attached to it. Here's the deal, though. It's still early. This bill is still banging around committee, so lots can change, but only if we demand that it changes. We are once again behind the eight ball here with a real chance to shun lobbyists, to learn from state and international efforts, and maybe even do one better. Here's what we can do. On the personal level, re-upping our latest steps, turn on end-to-end -end encryption for your ring doorbell or just throw it into the fires of Mount Doom. Check out Signal for secure messaging and Proton for email. Here's 10 things from my notebook. Would carbon food labels change the way you shop? The FCC said it's time for minimum broadband speeds. Beyond Meat's got a pepperoni problem. Ford's dealing with the battery component shortage by sourcing different and cheaper batteries, while Panasonic revealed their massive new Kansas battery factory. YouTube will start removing abortion misinformation. 
Depleted Y chromosomes might be why men's hearts fail. British grocer Marks and Spencer will scrap best before dates on fruits and veggies to cut food waste. VC dollars are down everywhere, but mostly holding strong in climate tech, namely around transportation, energy, and food and land use. And how much of recent Alzheimer's research was fabricated? And lastly, you got to click on this link. These are the five hottest birds in the sky. I mean, I fucking laughed so hard at this video. Anyways, that's the news for this week. Hit subscribe to get next week's news and tips straight to your feed. As always, to go deeper, visit newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thank you for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit. Have a great, safe, cool weekend. Mm -hmm.